You are listening to Sparking Wholeness with Erin Carey, where we talk about all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, everybody, it's Erin Carey. Welcome back to Sparking Wholeness. Today, I am speaking with Amanda Hinman. She is a certified functional medicine health coach and integrative nutrition health coach. She used to feel exhausted and overwhelmed while struggling with an autoimmune condition. I know so many listeners can relate to that, but life circumstances shaped her mission to empower women to be in the driver's seat of their health when her family was faced with multiple health crises and was able to overcome them against professional medical expectations. Amanda specializes in helping successful women over 40 who are struggling with hormone imbalances and exhaustion to heal naturally and gain three hours of energy every day so they can maximize their impact on their career and family. I love that three hours. Amanda founded a wellness company called the Hinman Holistic Health Institute. And together she and her team have helped hundreds of women reclaim their health from the terrors of Hashimoto's, hypothyroidism, insulin resistance, anxiety, PCOS, pituitary tumors, and more. So Amanda, I'm excited to have you on. Thanks for being on the show. Hi, Erin. My pleasure. I'm excited to be here with you today. This is this is going to be for such us. a good conversation. And even just what you said there about gaining three hours of energy every day. Tell me about the three hours. Oh, yes. It's it's really a chance to, you know, have your body systems work optimally so that you can feel more vitality, more enthusiasm, more clarity. I mean, I think clarity is a huge piece of the puzzle for a lot of women rather than feeling overwhelmed, exhausted, fatigued, and just kind of defeated, right? So it's really about shifting your normal energetic set point so that you experience tremendous clarity, flow, um, creativity, and impact. But see, a lot of women are told that this is just normal, that they're supposed to feel tired. You know, you're a mom, you're in your thirties, you're in your forties, you have teenagers now or young kids in your forties or whatever it is. You have a a life and a business. And isn't that how you're supposed to feel is just exhausted in the morning when you wake up? Oh, Aaron, I'm so glad you said that because unfortunately that is a lot of the messages that we hear in society is that's just part of the normal aging process, right? That we're now in the perimenopause or menopausal phase. And so your body changes and you kind of just have to deal with it. And that is one of the biggest myths that I like to bust is you actually get to move into a space of even more creativity, even more ease and flow and inspiration now at this season in your life. And that's, and that's assuming that your hormones are in a good symbiotic balance, that your body is working with you and not against you. Um, and there's a lot of different factors, right? When we're talking about the nutrient sufficiency, when we're talking about the, um, toxicity and and then your body's ability to move toxins through your, through your um, biochemistry and also our mental, emotional well-being, right? That sense of certainty, that sense of clarity, that sense of uh, passion for the things that we do each and every day in our lives. Yeah. Well, you know, what I really want to get into is you have this signature talk. That's five things you do every day that affect your hormones. And I want to get into that, but Before I do, I really want to know, like if somebody's listening and going, well, okay. So I thought being tired is normal. I thought getting, you know, migraines every month is normal. I thought that these, this weird, you know, TSH, T4, T3 stuff I have going on. It's just normal. This is just part of my normal life. 
how would somebody know if, if maybe their body is giving them symptoms, they need to check in on what, what are, what are symptoms that you can really lean into and go, Oh, wait, my body isn't working optimally. Yes. Well, and I I do want to kind of identify this a little bit differently, Erin. So first of all, you said normal, right? And I would say it's very common. Common is different than normal. So common is, it's an occurrence that's happening all around us. And we see evidence from friends and colleagues and family members and other women that we speak to, right? So there's definitely different symptoms and different dynamics that are very, very common and pervasive in our society. However, not normal in the sense that that's not how our human body is designed to function, right? So those normal and common are two different things. Um, And I think the first step is recognizing, and this is a little counterculture to say, but to truly have normal vitality, the vitality that our body is capable of, we, that means by default, we are choosing to be counterculture. Mm. We're choosing to be a healthy deviant, Mm -hmm. right? We're choosing to be different than what is common in society. Because if you do what is common in society, you are going to end up with chronic disease you are going to end up with fatigue and and exhaustion and symptom after symptom. And I I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer, but it's just unfortunately, just look at the stats. That is the reality of the world that we live in today. Mm -hmm. So while it is common and there is some comfort in saying I'm not alone, there are others that I know around me, friends, family, peers that are experiencing this also, I think the most compelling thing we can do for ourselves and for others is to choose that different place, right? To choose to be counterculture and to choose to say, hey, listen, you know what? Yeah, this this is something that I get to do differently. And maybe my choice of doing something differently is going to be that thing that will inspire my neighbor. It's going to be the pathway that will provide a different example to my daughter, right? So that's where the inspiration, that's where the passion comes from because you're choosing different on purpose, but you're choosing different on purpose to not only feel amazing yourself, but to also be that source of inspiration for others, that ripple effect. Yeah, I'm so glad that you bring that up because I think that that is a really powerful statement that yes, you can choose the same options that every other American and not just American. And we're seeing this all over the world now, you know, you, you can choose the processed food and you can choose the, you know, regular beauty products. And I I don't know, you just think about all these things that add add up that I'm sure we'll talk about, but um, yeah, but you're also going to probably have the same results as everybody else, which is not feeling great and sick and on lots of medications that are suppressing symptoms, not necessarily supporting the root. So then, yeah. So let's get into what you do and what, what you like to talk about, which is the five things that you do every day that affects your hormones. Absolutely. Yes. So the the five things, the first thing is the morning minutes, what I like to call. And it's it's really what you do with the first 10 minutes of your day. Because your morning, and we all hear, you know, talking about a morning routine and the benefits of gratitude journaling and all of those things are absolutely sound because evidence shows us that how you spend the first 10 minutes of your day is going to have such a strong, compelling impact on your body's biochemistry for the remainder of the day. And when I say biochemistry, you know, when we talk about hormone health in particular, 
looking, referring to something called the HPATG access, right? The hypothalamus, which is then always constantly in communication and picking up signals with the pituitary gland, both located in our brain, that then signal to our thyroid and to the adrenals and then eventually the gonads about what is the status of my world today? Do I wake up and is my body getting the signal that it lives in a safe, um, secure, abundant, relaxed environment? Or in that first 10 minutes of the day, does my mind go to my to-do list and kind of jump out of bed with a loud alarm and feel like a shot of cortisol and all of a sudden you're on cranking on adrenaline mode of like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be late or what do I have to get to? And you're rushing around, right? That physiology, that biochemistry automatically is going to signal to our body, stranger danger, we are not safe. There's Houston, there's a problem, right? And you start your day on that track. So even the first 10 minutes of a matter of, you know, I like to, my favorite thing is I like to wake up, you know, and meditate, pray in bed. I don't even get out of bed. I literally just focus on breathing, set a timer for 10 minutes and just be present, noticing the sensations in my body, noticing the long, slow, deep breath, maybe some box breathing. And that, that doesn't have to be your thing, but that may not be the thing that resonates with you. Maybe for you, it's getting up and doing some stretches. Maybe it is going for um, a 10 minute walk and getting fresh air with your dog. Maybe it is gratitude journaling, but whatever it is, it should be something that's really building you up and giving you a sense of clarity, a sense of peace, a sense of invigoration and calm for your day, a centeredness, as opposed to a rushed, frantic, behind the eight ball sensation. I love that. Sorry for the delay. There's some serious fight or flight happening in the room behind me, my kids. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's just that's part of the deal. It's okay. Um, yeah. yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And that's something that we don't think about how the first few minutes of the day, like you said, is going to tell us, are we safe or not? Are we, and, and that's so crucial for everything our body's going to do throughout that day. Yes, absolutely. And it's interesting, Erin, I want to speak to, because oftentimes, um, you know, when I'm coaching with women all the time, they're like, yeah, that sounds great. And the reality is I live in a life where like my kids are calling me or this or that, or, you know, there's other people demanding my time and attention. And I absolutely get that. Listen, I have four daughters. I've been there and I understand what it's like to have a busy house or, or so on and so forth. And the question becomes how high of a priority is it for you to find a way to be creative? Because there's always when there's a will, there's a way. If we really truly understand the non-negotiable impact of having a peaceful start to our day. It's kind of like, I mean, I hate to give an extreme example, but I'm going to, it's like, if your child had a car accident and had a leg that was broken and smashed, like you would find a way to get an ambulance, right? You would, there's a will, there's a way. If you knew and placed such a high priority, I'm like, listen, the first 10 minutes or the first 15 minutes of my day is non-negotiable. I have to find a way. Maybe it's like collaborating with a spouse to say, hey, listen, can you cover things until 6.30 a.m.? Or, or maybe it's, you know, telling the kids, hey, mom's room is off limits until, you know, my door is open or something like that. But we get really creative and really resourceful when it's a top priority. 
Yeah, I love that. And I think it's so true and so important that if it's worth it to you, you will make it work. And unfortunately, you know, many of us, we go too long until we're having endless symptoms that are telling us it's it's time to slow down and listen. And we need to do that. And with that, this is actually a really perfect place to thank our sponsor for today's episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Everly Well. If you've been experiencing symptoms and don't know where to start, Everly Well is committed to listening and supporting your journey towards better health and wellness. The Everly Well Women's Health Test measures 11 biomarkers known to play a role in your overall health and wellness and checks for any abnormal levels that may be keeping you from feeling your best. Everly Well is digital healthcare designed for you, all at an affordable and transparent price. With over 30 at-home lab tests, you'll be able to choose the test that makes the most sense for you to Get the answers you need, like the women's health test I just mentioned, or even the food sensitivity test. Everly Well also has high quality vitamins and supplements to support your overall health. Choose from a variety of options, including vitamin D3, omega 3 fish oil. What I love about Everly Well is that it's so simple and it's quick and it's efficient. Everly Well ships products straight to you with everything you need in one package. You can take your at-home lab test simply by collecting your sample and using the included prepaid shipping label to mail your test back to a certified lab. Your physician-reviewed results get sent to your phone or device in just days. And what's even better is that you can share the results with your primary care physician to help guide your next steps. What I love for me personally is the on-call support I received from Everly Well. I recently took the women's health test and I had some questions. I wasn't sure, you know, I want to do things the right way. And the support team was quick, was ready to answer really within hours. And I think that that's so impressive. You're not just going at this alone, not knowing you can reach out for support and they provide that. It is so simple. Over 1 million people have trusted Everly Well to support their health and wellness goals and you should too. I've also used the food sensitivity test in the past. My husband has taken the testosterone test. So we are big fans of Everly Well in my household. And for listeners of the show, Everly Well is offering a special discount of 20% off an at-home lab test at everlywell.com spark. That's everlywell.com spark for 20% off your next at-home lab test. Everlywell.com spark. That's E-V-E- R-L-Y-W-E-L-L dot com slash S-P-A-R-K. All right, Amanda, we are talking about things that we can do every day that impact our hormones. So what is next on the list? What's number two? Number two is morning makeup. And this kind of alludes to what you were talking before, Erin, about, you know, just a lot of people don't realize that our skin is like a giant mouth. And what we put on our skin, I mean, I think a study recently has shown that the average American woman puts 84 toxins on her body in a 24-hour day. So even just what we think about, and it may not be, hey, throughout my whole makeup and and self-care routine in the morning, it may be like, can I make one swap? Like, can I switch out the shampoo? Can I choose a different, um, you know, mineral-based foundation? Can I maybe, you know, switch out the deodorant that I use, right? But even just thinking about all of those little things, they seem almost inconsequential. And maybe in and of itself, it might be, but the fact that it's so comprehensive and such a compounding effect, if you do it every single day, that makes a difference when with regards to the toxicity that comes in and disrupts hormone balance. 
Yeah. And I think that's important for people to understand that we do know that there is a disruption of hormones in our endocrine system. And that is well-documented. And this isn't just something that people say so that they can make money off of new beauty products. They don't need to do that. There are plenty of other big companies, (laughs) food and beauty and all of that, that are making plenty of money off of you. So that's not what this is about. This is about truly what you just said. Skin is a giant mouth. I think that that's huge. Yeah. And one of my favorite places to start with, if you're going to pick one thing is to look for reducing or um, eliminating things with fragrances, because fragrances in particular, our our, um, sense of smell is one of the most potent first responding senses in the body, even though we like the smell, Mm. it actually can create stimulation, right? More of a stimulating response in the body. So if there's one thing that you can change, maybe it's, you're just going to buy the fragrance free deodorant, right? Or something like that. Start there and start small, but all of those little changes make a difference in the long run. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we went down that road with my family when my son, my youngest son was diagnosed with RSV, had a lot of breathing issues. And we realized how much the fragrance Mm -hmm. and all of that impacts breathing and impacts anybody with lung issues, asthma, any of that. And, And I think that that's it. So even though the focus, yes, is hormones, there are a lot of other systems because we are so interconnected that can get disrupted as well. And so I think that this is important. I'm I'm glad that you're bringing this up. Okay. So we have morning minute, morning makeup, and then what's the next one? The next one is breathing breaks. That's a good one. Breathing breaks, remembering to stimulate the vagus nerve, right? Again, so our body is always picking up on signals and you can't fake out your nervous system. So when we are feeling tense or busy or frantic or overwhelmed, naturally our, our diaphragm takes shorter, shallower breaths. And simply, even if nothing in your world or your circumstances have shifted, but you consciously pay attention to slow down and lengthen your breath, that will send a signal to the nervous system like, okay, things are okay. I can relax. Mm -hmm. So even just setting a timer on your cell phone, right? I do it four times a day where it just says breathing break and it'll go off at 9am. It'll go off at 1129, you know, four different times. And no matter what I'm doing, even in the middle of a claim session, right? It's easy to just listen to somebody, do the work you're doing, but stop and inhale for four counts, hold for four, exhale for four and repeat, do box breathing. And again, I I think Aaron, we, we all know these things, but these are not like revolutionary ideas. It's more of what is the, what would it take for us to prioritize them at such a high degree that we actually execute them consistently? That's the gap. Mm -hmm. Usually it's not the knowledge like, Oh, I've heard of these things. And yeah, I know that would be good but the gap is the execution consistently. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. And what's interesting is I've started doing that during podcast interviews is I will take my deep nasal breaths because my brain is going a mile a minute during these things (laughs) because I'm wanting to listen to you, but I also, depending on what's going on, if my kids are home or not, I've got kids in the background or, but then I'm also thinking about the time. And I'm also thinking, you know, it's like all it can put me, this is such an enjoyable thing for me, but it does put me on high alert. And I have to remember, okay, just breathe and be present. And it's all going to be okay. Because when I'm not, it tells my body that it's not okay. Right. Our thoughts and our ability to breathe and slow down, tell our body how to function. Can you, can you explain a little bit more about 
Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So again, so again, we're, we're speaking of the vagus nerve is one of the most predominant signaling mechanisms to the brain. And believe it or not, 90% of the nerve endings are afferent, meaning it's not, we always think it's the brain that controls the body, right? But it's actually the other way. It's actually the endings in the other part of the body that are signaling to the brain. So when we can take those deep di diaphragm breaths, it signals to our brain, things are okay. I'm not in a fight or flight or freeze response. And it changes again, how the hypothalamus is going to signal to the thyroid gland is going to signal to the adrenal glands in terms of how much cortisol how much neopinephrine, epinephrine, stressor hormones do I need to be releasing to prepare to fight or flight or flee? Or, oh no, actually things are okay. We can rest and digest and be centered and be calm. And in terms of the brain, so I actually have this other, um, this is called positive intelligence quotient, we PQ, right? We hear a lot of emotional intelligence and intellectual intelligence, IQ, EQ. PQ is really a, a, a there's a whole program around it, but it's a measure of how, what part of the brain is being turned on because we know neural pathways create almost like patterns of behavior. And when we are constantly signaling neural pathways that are turning on our stressor response, then that's just the default operation. Our body starts to control our brain, right? That's when people have a swirling, wired, but tired feeling. My brain can't settle down, you know, constantly anxious thoughts, or I can't just seem to let things go. They just keep coming up again and again. If you find that that's a symptom, right? Where you do have, it's almost like a situation or a circumstance will have its grip on you, a hold on you. You can't let it go. That is a symptom when our body has been so conditioned to be in that sympathetic stress response, that is hard to break out of it. So even stopping to breathe for four counts can start to rebuild that new neural pathway to, to, to allocate resources to a different part of the brain. All right. Yeah, that's huge. And that just that itself, again, it's one of those things it's free. <laughs> you don't have to spend free, money to yeah. do this, but it's, yeah. it's making it worth it and making time for it. So yeah. what is the fourth thing? The fourth thing is eating hygiene. Oh, and that's my favorite topic. Okay. I'm really yeah, excited the, about this. You okay. probably talk about this a lot, Erin, but <laughs> the importance of um, most, first and foremost, chewing our food, right? So a lot of times, especially in the health arena, we pay so much attention to what foods we should be eating and what foods we shouldn't be eating and what's good food and bad food. And I don't like to give those labels, but people, human beings tend to think in those types of terms. But I would say maybe even that trumps that or just right up on par with that is how we are eating our food. What type of circumstance are you in? What type of surrounding and situation are you in? Are you sitting down? Are you calm? Are you actually smelling your food before you inhale it? I mean, Tracy Harrison is one of my dear friends and the founder of the School of Applied Functional Medicine. And every time we're on retreat together, she literally picks up her plate and is smelling her whole like no whole way that's so yeah, smart every single time because it's like really being present with mm. what nourishment I'm about to give to my body and that's just one step of like I said we talked about the sense of smell is the most potent yeah. trigger in the brain right so preparing your body so that it can adequately release those digestive enzymes to secrete to help break down the food then in our in our mouth to chew, to thoroughly chew 
our food and, and feel it almost having a liquid consistency before it's swallowed down the esophagus. That is a rarity, right? Because most of us don't even realize it. We chew subconsciously and we tend to take big gulps of food. Well, unfortunately, the body then has a much harder job of trying to separate those amino acids and those protein peptide chains and all of the work that it has to do. You just made your job to getting those nutrients a lot harder on the rest of your body, right? Then if you just slowed down, chewed thoroughly and fully appreciated and enjoyed the, the meal that you were consuming. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. I, I want to, yeah, just dive into that a little bit more because I think that you have people who, because of past histories of maybe dieting and being told what to eat and eating nothing but chicken and broccoli all week long, because they're trying to lose weight, they're not enjoying their food. They don't want to breathe their food and they don't want to take their time because their food doesn't taste very good because they're doing it to lose weight, not necessarily to enjoy it. I mean, there's a lot of issues wrapped up in there for a lot of, it's, I'm thinking primarily women, right? Like I don't want to generalize, but this is primarily a female issue um, or we're getting our food ready for our kids and our kids are throwing a mutiny, right? Because even though they've had the meal five different times, they don't like it today, this way on this plate and this thing, well, that's stressful. So that limits enjoyment of what I'm eating. Right. So this is a hard, this is a re- another free one, but it's really hard. It's hard. And this is why I think it's so critical, Aaron. I mean, this is a different, a different topic, but um, I honestly think one of the most powerful things to do when it comes to supporting your health and vitality is to be a part of a community because mm. th- you're naming real challenges and struggles for almost virtually everyone, right? Mm -hmm. We're not alone. And there's something to be said for recognizing that we're not alone and still having that encouragement, still having that support, still having that external accountability to choose differently. Again, going back to the healthy deviant, right? What does the healthy deviant do? They don't just um, reactively take care of their health when it's a problem they are proactively saying, Hey, listen, this is the most important thing in my life because everything is affected by how my health of my vitality and my body is. So I need to invest some of my time, my energy, my resources towards optimizing my health. Right. And so having that community support can help us to a feel like we're not alone, but B have some constructive, creative, alternative solutions. I can't tell you how many times people are like, well, I don't even know what I would do differently. And I'm like, if you're asking yourself, how could I do it differently? Oftentimes that's the wrong question. You need to ask who has done this differently. Who can I learn from? Hmm. Who can I have support from? So if you find yourself getting stuck with the, how would I do it differently? And you just can't get that creative answer, then ask a different question. Who, who is already doing this? Yeah. Who can I learn from? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's so true. And I, it is interesting how, um, being a healthy deviant also brings you into new friendships with people that maybe you wouldn't uh, have been friends with before in a new community and yeah. different resources. And it, and it is, it does open an entire world. Um, but, but we are out there, those of us who, who have walked this and who are still walking this and still kind of, you know, muddying our way through it (laughs) the best we can, we're out there. And so, um, I, I'm really glad that you speak to that because it, it's not easy to, I mean, just sitting down and trying to enjoy a meal and taking time with it 
-hmm. that in itself is countercultural because we're trained to eat in a car, eat fast. It's fast food, Mm -hmm. pick it up on the go. You know, it's, it's a lot of rewriting. And, and, and I think it's interesting too, to give that signal to our families, right? So my husband and I were raising four daughters between the ages of 10 and 17, right? So we know what it's like to have them be in dance and gymnastics and cheerleading and, and doing all the things. And yet um, in our family, we've made a practice of the, the different girls each have one day of the week where they help prepare dinner. And even just them being able to learn how to be in the kitchen, they don't love it all the time, but sometimes they really do like, oh, I want to make this or whatever. And them learning an appreciation for that experience, like not only thinking about what do I want to, what do we want to eat? And they get to pick the menu. And of course we help out when, 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 you know, when they want it, but it's showing a prioritization of the process of nourishing our bodies because it's yeah. so, it's, it's going to be, you're going to, this body is going to be with you for the rest of your life. <laughs> you have to treat it well. Right. So yeah. starting to think about what are, and, and maybe it's not, maybe that's not a right fit, but maybe it's, Hey, you know, once a week, start with once a week, once a week, we're going to sit down as a family and like all devices are away, all TVs away, all activities are just on hold for this 45 minutes while we enjoy our meal together. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really good. Yeah. Schools, the school system really does mess up the eating too. Cause it's like, Oh, you gotta eat fast, but then we want to talk to our friends too. And you know, it's like yeah. all of that. So it's like, we really are set up for a, a lot of obstacles when we start thinking about things in a new way, but it is possible because you can retrain your brain to think about things. Yeah. So what's, what's the fifth thing? The fifth thing is the stories we tell ourselves. Um, and this, and this is again, going back to how so much of our health and our biochemistry and our physiology is first and foremost a result of what's happening in our in our mind what we're thinking about what we're focusing on what our emotional state is right so one of the favorite sentences that we use with our, our community and our members and our clients all the time is to get in the habit of asking yourself and it's always easier to do after the fact but that's a great place to start when anytime, anytime you feel a negative emotion, whether it be frustration, whether it be, you know, annoyed, whether it be sadness, whatever it is to fill in the sentence, I'm feeling blank, put the negative emotion because the story I'm telling myself is blank. Oh, and, here, that's a hard, that. and it's a hard thing to do because oftentimes we're so used to completely feeling justified of our emotion because of the circumstance that we are attributing to a different person, right? Well, I'm feeling upset because my husband didn't do X, Y, or Z, or I'm feeling irritated because my child did X, Y, or Z, right? But the only way we become empowered is to tune into the part that we have control over. We don't have control over what anyone else does. Mm -hmm. We only have control over how we respond to it. So by changing that simple phrase, I'm feeling pissed off because the story I'm telling myself is my daughter should have picked up her bedroom, right? Whatever it is, that's the story I'm telling myself. I have an expectation and that's why I'm upset because my expectation wasn't met, right? So the only way I can ever start to change that is that I can recognize like, okay, is that expectation realistic? Is that expectation communicated properly? is that expectation agreed upon, right? So then you can start to say like, okay, what part of this, what part of this communication 
went astray that I can start to create a change around. But if I just say, because she did this, I'm left in a place of disempowerment. There's no action. There's no pointed clarity for me to respond differently to. There's a lot of yelling going. I don't know if you hear the yelling. <laughs> now they're playing happily. Um, oh, speaking yeah. of the stories we tell ourselves, that actually sounds like a great tool to use with kids. Do you use this with your kids? All the time. Yes. Yeah. And they hate it. At first they're like, oh, no, it's because of so-and-so. And I'm like, I, I hear, I hear it. so-and-so did X, Y, or Z. And why are you upset about that? Yeah. That's a good story. That's so good. I remember years ago, I was a teacher. I was a middle school teacher. I, I love, I, I don't know. I, everybody's still a middle, middle school child in some way. Yeah, right. And totally. so I think I always, it's like, they are just like the essence of humanity, middle school kids anyway. Mm-hmm. But I remember telling them at one point, it was a group of girls. They were bothered by some drama, whatever it is. And I said, well, you know what other people say about you or what other people think about you is none of your business. Yes. And they're like, what? Yes, it is. It's, but it's about me. It is my, and that was just, I mean, that's what this kind of reminds me of is it's like this story that I'm telling myself might be true, might be, I mean, it's based on some kind of reality, but is it, like you said, is it an expectation I had that maybe wasn't realistic? Was it, I mean, there's just a lot that goes on in there, even when we're talking about our bodies and our health and our hormones. I mean, I am in that myself at 41, things are, things are getting a little wonky, you know, and I am daily truly. And I'm admitting this on the podcast that I will find myself driving in my car going, thank you body for protecting me. Thank you for these symptoms that remind me that I'm aging and I'm, I'm getting wiser and older, you know, just trying to partner with my body instead of beating it up for the symptoms. Yes. I love that. You said that Karen is too, is it's recognizing like, what if these symptoms could actually be the biggest blessing? Mm -hmm. What if they actually are the gift? I mean, yeah, it stinks and they're not comfortable and they're not like, I wouldn't have chosen them, but I go back that that was our, our, my family's experience with my daughter. I mean, my oldest daughter years ago had such extreme anxiety. She was Mm -hmm. having between 10 to 15 seizures in a day. I would never wish that upon anyone. It was the scariest time in my life. And yeah, I mean, it was heartbreaking, right. To see your child just completely incapacitated for majority of the day. But while that was so challenging, it actually was like, that was a catalyzing event to say, we, I have to figure out what's going on with our body's biochemistry. I have Mm. to know what we can do so that this is not her norm. We were told she'd be on medication for life. She would never be able to drive a car. Mm. Like, you know, that was, that was just not, Mm. not something that I was content with accepting at that point. But the symptoms were the pathway to becoming more curious, to learning, to opening up a whole nother world of functional medicine science that I didn't previously, I mean, I had been in the health and fitness world, but I didn't previously know the depth of the biochemistry of the body and functional medicine, you know, science of the optimizing our, our, our systems in our body and the interconnectedness. And that pathway was what opened the door to literally transforming our whole entire family's health. She went from four medications to zero. I went, I was able to wean off of my medication. My husband, his lifelong allergies cleared up because of the symptoms that were like pointing a blaring 
light saying, Hey, look here, look here. There's something to learn here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, Oh, I'm so glad that you told that story because I think it's interesting when I do have people like you on the show, usually there is a personal story that led you down this path of being a healthy deviant, right? Like (laughs) most of us is not, we didn't just like fall into it, choosing it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, there's something that caused, Oh, I, I need to do some deeper digging, whether for my child's health or for my own health or for whatever it is. And I think, I, I don't know, where do you believe that people are maybe missing the mark when they're focusing on just the surface? Well, this is a diagnosis. This is what I have. And I'm yeah. going to take this. Oh, I love this story. And I'm going to actually share a story that, again, one of my mentors, Tracy Harrison from the School of Applied Functional Medicine shares with us practitioners all the time. She calls it broken boats and bodies. Mm. And this is the, um, a great story that illustrates the difference between what we think of as conventional managed care, health care in our country, which is phenomenal, by the way, I'm not knocking it. I think it is tremendous. It is highly valuable and needed in acute emergent situations. However, it poorly, um, sets us up for true proactive, regressive, preventative care to avoid chronic disease, right? So the, the analogy is, you know, let's say you go to work every day alongside a river and your job is to repair all the broken boats and bodies that you see every day strewn in the river, because every day you come to work, there are people with broken bones, there are people with scratches and cuts and boats that have been flipped upside down and, and holes in them and capsized. And so you're like, man, oh man, we've got a lot of work to do. Let's, let, these are amazing healthcare providers, right? Who are managing all of the destruction in our bodies when we go to the doctor, when we go into the hospital and they're doing a fantastic job. And you may start to think as yourself like, huh, you know what? This isn't, there's still every day. There's so many broken boats and bodies. We need to set up a larger clinic. We need to have a workshop so that we can help repair more people faster and have you know a workshop to prepare these boats and get new um, treads on them and new patches on the holes. And then you might start to wonder like, you know what, maybe this water is dangerous. We should, we should prevent people from ever going in the water because water is bad. Clearly when people go in the water, they get broken and boats get damaged. But if you took a step and looked further upstream and you would see that maybe 120 yards upstream, there's actually a waterfall. And you're like, oh, no wonder so many people are getting hurt. They're coming over the waterfall and they're not prepared for that. They don't have the appropriate equipment. They don't have a life jacket. They don't have the right type of boat. Maybe they don't have the skills and the training to navigate this waterfall. No wonder we have all these broken boats and bodies. But when you go upstream, you also see some people that are navigating this really well. In fact, they actually look like they're having a great time. They have completely different equipment. They have a different boat. They have a life jacket. They have different skills and they're having a blast going down the rapids. But you start to question, I've never seen those people. When we're repairing all these broken boats and bodies, I don't see those people coming through because they made it. So unfortunately, our current medical practice is at the place of responding to the broken boats and bodies. And we're not consistently, adequately, effectively getting the message that, you know what, maybe you need a different boat. Maybe you need different skills or a different life jacket. Maybe we need to put a sign and say, hey, if you go this way, there's going to be a waterfall. And if you go that way, it's going to be a different path. 
so that people can proactively take care of and be empowered around their health journey so that they avoid a lot of the challenges. We think, unfortunately, that we can do what is common in our society and shouldn't end up with chronic disease. That's not true. What is common in our society will absolutely end up with chronic disease, yeah. whether it be hypertension, whether it be you know, elevated cholesterol and, and um, heart risk, whether it be diabetes, whether it be cancer, whether it be Alzheimer's, you will end up with one of those if you follow the mainstream process of living in this, in this country. Yeah. That's just the numbers. Yep. So we have to be willing to do something different in order to be that person that can navigate the waterfall with the fun boat and have a blast. Absolutely. Oh, that, that whole example gives me chills because it, this is so needed, you know, I mean, it's just, it's one of those things that, that people are like, well, I just don't know why I'm not getting better. I don't know. It's the cycle of insanity. You know, you're doing the same thing over and over expecting a different result. And you're doing the same thing, the way people have been doing things for 30, 40, 50 years, expecting, you know, they say same or different, expecting a different result, but you're getting the same result. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No judgment around this. Listen, when I was diagnosed with my autoimmune condition, I went and worked with a um, doctor of osteopathy and, and, and was very optimistic of like, I am a healthy person. I eat, I am a group fitness instructor and I eat salads five days a week. I know how to be healthy and I know how to be active. So I was, I was, my ego was in check being diagnosed with an autoimmune condition. Right. And I took the supplements and did the lab work, did the fancy lab work, and then didn't see much change and was really frustrated and really disheartened. Because what I didn't realize is I had to change the way I was perceiving and thinking about health. It meant I had to switch my cardio kickbox class for yoga. (laughs) It meant I had to eat more healthy fats and less salad, right? Because I didn't have enough amino acids. I didn't have enough protein coming in. So I needed to know what my specific body needed in order to heal. Not just what I thought, quote unquote, was healthy. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's that individualization. That's so key. Well, yeah. this is great. Okay. I'm going to ask my favorite question to ask. And you know, the name of the show is sparking wholeness. So if you could give one piece of advice to spark someone toward wholeness, what would it be? Oh, I love this question to spark someone towards wholeness. It would be to tap into what is your deepest desire? If you were to sit back at the end of your life and say, if I experienced this I would be fulfilled. When you tap into that, that is going to light your path and that is going to light your passion and your fire. So what is it that you want to experience in this lifetime and let that guide you? That's good. Yeah. All right. So where can people, what's your website? Where can people contact you, work with you, find out more about what you do? Absolutely. My website is hinmanholistic.com, H-I-N-M-A-N holistic.com. And feel free, I'd love to share with your listeners, Aaron, I have three steps to decrease bloating in five days. Mm. I'd love to share that free gift. If um, they're interested, I can, I can send a link to share with you. That would be great. And I can put that in the show notes. Um, I will gladly do that. So that is, that's great. This has been such a good conversation. And I, I really like the practical tips that you give that, I mean, it's great to, you know, have all the knowledge and the information of the inner workings of the body, which I know you do, but to be able to break it down the way that you have done throughout this conversation, I think people are going to come away from this going, Oh, 
okay, I can change a few things. And that's the point, yeah. right? It's just getting point. started yeah. and changing a few things. Yes, absolutely. Good. I'm glad it was helpful. Yeah. Well, thank you again for being on the show. This was, this was a great talk. My pleasure. The tiniest spark leads to the biggest blaze. And I hope that today's episode sparks you on a journey to healing and wholeness. Thanks for listening to Sparking Wholeness. For more information on what I do and my coaching programs, or maybe just to reach out and say, hey, find me at sparkingwholeness.com or on Instagram at sparkingwholeness. Have a fabulous week.